Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt. Whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain, your feet are carrying the load. Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast with me, Dan the Fitness Man Staten. This podcast is dedicated to blue-collar, hard-working public land elk hunters. We preach hard work, delayed gratification, discipline, and staying accountable to yourself. We value faith, family, fitness, fiscal discipline, and of course, public land elk hunting. So come along as we try to educate, motivate, and inspire you to become the best possible version of yourself. Our podcast is brought to you by Wilderness Athlete, performance you deserve. Fuel your body with the best. Use our discount code ELKSHAPE30 and save 30% off your first purchase. We are also brought to you by NUMA Outdoors. Geared for the outdoors, made with bow hunters in mind, built to over-deliver, and most importantly, designed to outperform. Check out NUMAOutdoors.com and be sure to use the discount code ELKSHAPE20 to save 20% off your purchase. Matthews Archery elevating the archery experience take a test drive with the matthews v331 or 27 at a local dealer near you vortex optics i've been partnered with vortex since 2010 this company is awesome they're american owned veteran owned they're based in wisconsin their entire team of designers and engineers produce and distribute a complete line of premium sport optics accessories and apparel most of the apparel that i wear while training scouting and hanging out around the house is Vortex Wear. Go ahead and check it out, and if you want to save 20%, enter the discount code ELKSHAPE at checkout, and you'll save 20%. New from Vortex in 2021 is their tripods. The one I've been using in the backcountry is their Summit Carbon 2, and their Radian Carbon, and it also has a ball leveling head, and it's perfect for rock solid shooting. There is a tripod to fit everyone's needs from Vortex now, and it's still covered with their lifetime no-fault transferable VIP warranty. Check it out at VortexOptics.com. Welcome to the Elk Shape Podcast. What's up? Dan the Fitness Man here. We are sitting down with Kevin Gian. Kevin works for Wilderness Athlete. He is a very knowledgeable fitness hunting kind of guy this eight weeks out from hunting season critical mass this is where you fine-tune your fitness if you've not really done much up to this point you have some time to make some changes and get some adaptations we're going to talk about performance today we're going to talk about mitigating fatigue stress 
duress, all the things that happen in the mountains. If you're new to hunting or you're an OG, this is a good podcast to get you fired up and get you dialed and make sure you're taking some necessary steps to ensure that you have not only some success in the field, but you can look back and say, man, I really performed well this year. I didn't squander a second in the mountains. I took full advantage. So it's crunch time, baby. This is Kevin Gian. He works for Wilderness Athlete. You're listening to the Elk Shape Podcast. Here we go. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm um, having a pretty productive morning. Oh, well, did it, did you get up early or what did you do to make this happen? Uh, yeah, I got up early. I mean, early ish, like around five 45 and hit the gym and, uh, just got a lot of work done early after that. So just, uh, yeah, feels productive so far. Okay. And the state of Arizona never switches daylight savings. So sometimes we're on the same page. Sometimes we're not. Yeah, I know. It's uh, confusing. Most often, like when I'm talking to people about meetings, I just, I tell them Arizona time. This way we don't have to, like, they, they can just Google it or figure out where they are, where, you know, what time it is here. Because um, it can get kind of confusing between mountain standard time and then, like, mountain time. Because those two are different also. Um, those change anyways. So we're, yeah, we never change, which is nice. Arizona. Do you have any elk tags this year? No, no. Um, didn't draw an elk tag. Um, I should draw a deer tag. I mean, we, I just put in yesterday with a couple coworkers actually for a, a hunt that we've been uh, kind of scheming together for uh, a little while. But no elk tag, just another point for me. But that's kind of par for the course for most people, I think, applying for Arizona. Yeah. Is the deadline today or was it yesterday? Uh, it's, it's today. Yeah, no, it was yesterday. It was yesterday at midnight, um, the 8th. Yeah, so um, we got it in in the morning. Oh, I missed it. I can't believe it. I usually put in for sheep. Oh, did you? Yeah. I think I, I don't think I've missed it for over a decade, but I my son's birthday is yesterday, and I was like, oh, I got to do that, and I didn't. So uh, it's all right. Man, I, 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 I mean, I'm kind of like embarrassed to say this, but a couple years ago or a year or two ago, um, it was – I, I totally forgot to put in for elk and I knew, and I, and I knew that morning it was actually the day we were flying to Salt Lake city for the, you know, the expo. And we had like a super early flight. So I was at the airport at like five or something and me and a couple guys were talking about it. And I was like, okay, well, when we get there, we get settled into the Airbnb after I get the booth set up, I'll, I'll make sure to apply. And I just, you know, after a long hectic day of setting up and everything, I just, you know, finally kicked back and, and didn't even think, to to do it and uh that was pretty embarrassing oh man it's uh it like you said life happens uh well i wanted to start off this podcast by going right into arizona elk uh obviously one of the best elk states not a super high density of elk but the quality the management it's still pretty good and last year i believe it was last year 2020 uh or maybe it was 2019, you'll have to tell me. You had a late-season archery elk tag. Is that correct? 2019, yeah. Yeah, okay. I had a, I had a, exactly. And I had that tag in 16 and 15. Somehow I got it two years in a row. And I think it's become apparent that, like, you can draw it with, you know, it's it takes more points now than it did, obviously, with point creep. But uh, 
a lot of people are cashing in their points just trying to get to Arizona. And I don't know if I want to, after we're done talking about it, I don't know if folks will be like encouraged or discouraged, but uh, it's a next level hunt. It's not the September rut hunt that we all dream about coming to Arizona. Then I'll give you an example. Uh, my buddy Dirk Durham, uh, the bugler, he's got 17 or 18 points in Arizona. And I'm like, bro, I was trying to convince him to burn his points and go hunt the late season rifle in unit like 27 along the New Mexico border. I'm like, it'll be game over. You'll shoot a giant. Um, and he was like, uh, no, I, he's just, he's got it in his head that if he ever does get the opportunity, uh, if he gets the nod, he's gonna, he wants the archery experience. So have you ever done the Arizona rut archery tag thing? No, no, I haven't. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've been, yeah, not lucky enough to do it. And I, I have a lot of guys around me that have drawn that tag, you know, just, you know, various like unit nine and um, a lot of the really coveted units for the rut tags. And of course it's like this totally, it sounds like it's this totally uh, just memorable once in a lifetime type of experience to be chasing running bulls. But I, I think um, it seems like a lot of guys are starting to get to like what you're saying is I'd rather, um, you know, hunt in the next two to three years or this year rather than wait, you know, for another 10 potentially before, you know, I, I get this chance at a tag. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm kind of of the, of the belief that I'd rather hunt, uh, sooner than later and, and just make my own, uh, make my own success, so to speak. I think a lot of times guys just think if they draw a rut tag, it's just, it's a done deal. Like it's going to be a hell of a lot easier, but, um, you know, that's kind of, I'd rather just have a tag in my pocket tomorrow. Well, I can also tell you, you draw that late season archery tag and you think you might be a done deal. And I'm here to tell you, uh, it's not that easy. Uh, in fact, I want to hear notes from your hunt. I'll give you the first year notes for me. I hunted eight days with a buddy, never had been there before, uh, did some Google earthing and some e-scouting. Had some vantage points picked out. Uh, hunting pressure, I would give it, uh, I would probably give it a B minus. And here's why I give it the minus. Uh, a lot of the hunters there were residents. So there's a lot more tag allocation for residents for the late season archery. The amount of water was where I was at. I can't say the unit. I don't want to blow it out, but it's, it's a good unit. It's not the best unit in the state for sure. And the water was definitely uh, sparse in few places, um, minus a couple of actual canyons that had flowing creeks. So if you weren't in those canyons, you would see ground blinds over every watering hole. Uh, and we got there the day before the opener. Uh, Kevin, some of these water holes or water tanks are literally next to a national forest road. So the weirdest shit, man, I'd be driving a four-wheeler down a road, I would see a water hole, a four-wheeler parked a hundred yards away and a ground blind and a dude in the ground blind as I'm driving by. And I'm just like, and that wasn't like the, like I saw double digit ground blind, four-wheeler guy in a blind. And I never talked to one successful elk hunter the entire eight days I was there that killed one over water. And, um, Every guy I talked to said they had trail cameras out and 
the bulls were just getting water at night. And I'm like, well, heck yeah, that they're going to figure that out real quick. Um, what was your hunt like? I mean, honestly, uh, that was pretty similar to my experience, except I, I wasn't out there eight days. I think I was out there for like four or five days and I was uh, by myself. Um, I, you know, I made the mistake of just not investing the time in the unit beforehand. And so I went into it with a lot of waypoints marked from some, uh, a really a good friend of mine who, who spent a lot of time out there, you know, places he's had success, places where he's always seen good, good elk. Um, so I, I was kind of checking those off my list as I, you know, did a lot of driving, but it's a huge unit. And I really only gave myself enough time to spend in one side of the unit, but water was uh, almost non-existent. I mean, there was, there was some trickle tanks that, you know, that were state managed, all the like stock ponds, the, you know, the, the nat more, I guess not natural, but, you know, more of the normal water sources that would be around were completely bone dry. And just about anywhere you found water, you were also, you know, competing with uh, a, a bunch of guys doing the same thing, like just surrounding the, the, the unit or that, that trickle tank with a uh, blind. And so I, I had a, a hard time um, mentally being in, like getting excited about doing that. Like, you know, I mean, it, it almost was like, okay, I would get excited to go find like a trickle tank that didn't really seem to have a whole lot of other people around it. And I could be a little bit more secluded, but then I was like kind of bummed that I had to just sit there in this ground blind for, you know, undefined amount of time. And that's just not something I have a whole lot of experience with. Mm. Um, and so I think it's probably something I, I believe, you know, if I were to kill more animals out of a ground blind like that, it would probably become easier. I'd get used to it, but um, yeah, it was, it was, it was more of a mental struggle for me on that, on that end of things than anything. Um, talked to a handful of guys no one was seeing you know elk activity I mean it was just a really dry year um, and it, it made it tough and so I think you know if I did it all over again I would definitely give myself more time scouting and then also probably you know venturing to a different set of the unit where it was a bit more uh, you know topography played a bigger part in it a little bit more glassing a lot more um just country to, to, to look at versus basically hunting waterhole to waterhole. Yeah. So I, I imagine you had a lot of pinion juniper country, roller hills. Uh, that's tough for glassing. And then they're not vocalizing. They're bashered up. Uh, and just, I don't know what you, honestly, I, I, do you still hunt? Do you, I mean, if you're not going to set water, you just find like funnels, pinch points, saddles, uh, look for sign and then just get the wind right and and still hunt or ambush i mean i think to to figure all that out and to make it happen within five days or you know is is just really really challenging i think you'd have to going into that same scenario you'd have to have spent a good amount of time patterning some bulls figuring out where they like to you know go and come from times a day they're most active i mean you know all that stuff i think is just going to increase your odds whereas you know <clears throat> i <clears throat> didn't do myself any favors by trying to figure out a pretty difficult place to hunt at an incredibly tough time to hunt them in a handful of days um in a unit i'd never stepped foot in so yeah certainly no surprise i mean it was just kind of like the i was a statistic of <laughs> you know the tag that doesn't get filled for sure but do you think it's 
do you think it was the unit or do you think it's just, I mean, let's go hindsight, man. Would you go back again to that unit or would it be like, man, I got to go somewhere? Okay. No, I would, I would, I, I would probably go to the other side of the unit. Um, I have, I had a handful of conversations with some guys that did have some success. Um, and they were hunting differently than I was, you know, they, they were finding, they were still hunting. Um, and I think there was definitely, I would definitely go back. I mean, I know there's a lot of elk in that part of the state. There's a ton of elk in that country and there's just no, there's no way that they're not there and they're not, they're not killable for sure. Um, but I would definitely give it another shot. I think I would definitely spend more time in there prior to season you know, maybe putting some cameras up, just doing a lot more driving and, and just figuring out the lay of the land and where I wanted to be, you know, beforehand more. Yeah. Uh, so on Arizona's draw structure, they have that first pass, which is basically true preference at the end of the day. And they definitely have a percentage of non-resident tags available if they get drawn, but there's no guarantee and then they got this almost legendary bonus pass where you get this random random like they made they changed it to where like if you got skin in the game at all you might draw and so it's kind of why Arizona's always worth putting in cuz you could just get lucky as heck and and draw that tag um but for you as a resident is there any sort of program to make sure that you could get a rut tag archery or is it at the end of the day, just kind of a 10, 20 year wait and you got to have some luck on your side? Um, well, I mean, I'm not sure I'm the best one to know all the intricacies. I do know, however, like to my knowledge, there isn't, um, and, and some listener probably knows the ins and outs of this maybe more than I do, but, um, to my knowledge, I think it was a few years ago, and there was quite the uproar amongst residents. There was some um, some ch change in that bonus uh, point pool where non-residents basically were given a higher draw odd with bonus points. Like if they had any bonus points, I think they they had almost the equivalent um, or maybe the equivalent chance of drawing in that certain pass as a resident. And I knew that that ruffled the feathers of a lot of people that lived here because it's like, you know, that's just pretty uncharacteristic of most states. But yeah, I don't I don't know all the intricacies of that uh, legislation or how that process works. Um, all I truly know is it's, it's it's challenging. I mean, I talked to a guy, uh, a colleague of mine actually has a friend who has I mean, I think last year, we were, we were talking about it last year because he was asking me these questions about how good the late hunt is because he has a friend who has 20, early 20 points, like 21 or 22 points. I mean, you know, the type of points that you feel like you can draw almost any tag or should be able to. And the guy has, you know, every year put in for, I think, I think like unit nine rut tag. And he's getting up there in years and he's like, I need to draw this tag while I can still get around and hunt. And he has not drawn it year after year after year after year. So it's, it's like there's still a lot of these stories where you hear the people that should be drawing tags that don't, and then you hear about the guys that have, you know, two, three points um, and draw them. Like, like the year I drew my late tag, I had, I think, three points. And mm -hmm. I figured, well, I mean, I, I have a decent shot at drawing a late archery tag, but I don't, I'm not really in the running for one of these rut tags. 
well, that same year, two friends of mine with the same exact number of points that I did both drew rut tags and good units with three points. So it's, uh, it's, it's really kind of a, a crapshoot. And I think that the more you try to understand the, the process of the draw cycle, um, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's benefits to understanding all the intricacies of it, but probably also the more disappointment you're going to feel when you ex- feel like you deserve a tag at that stage. You just don't get it. And you're not going to get it. Yeah, I do. Okay. So I do know, like, I can tell you this much. Like, I usually study up and make a video about Arizona for the Elk Collective. I do that every year. I, I haven't done that in, like, six months. But I do know there's three phases to their draw. And I know the first pass is the bonus one. And then the second pass is the first and second choices. And then they have another pass with, like, your third, fourth, and fifth. And you're not going to draw anything amazing with that. And, dude, I do know for a fact that non-residents – are capped at 10%. So, uh, and it's not guaranteed that non-residents get 10%. It's just capped at 10%. Uh, and I know it's just a tough state to draw in general. So it's, I can see why folks are like, man, kind of leaning towards burning some points on a late season rifle or archery tag. Uh, I'm here to tell you just my second go, I think I spent 10 days and they were solo, same unit, different areas, and I didn't, I did kill a bull and it was on the last day and God, there was a lot of luck involved as far as just closing the distance. Seeing elk. Yeah. You, you'll see some bulls for sure. And a year like this one in 2020, probably, I, I don't want to put a number on it, but let's just say a higher percentage than normal bulls were broke off just due to the lack of water for whatever reason, antlers get more brittle, uh, whatever the case. Like when you guys have drought, your bulls get broken more. Yeah. Fact, science. And so I personally, when I was there, it was a good water year, but uh, there were still majority of the bulls had some some dents and some dings. And the bull I killed probably would have hit 340, but he broke off at least 10 inches on one side. And – it's like uh, one of those deals where you just like you got to understand what you're getting yourself into. You're they're not they're not bugling. Water scarce. They don't get water during daylight hours for the most part. And they're in some pretty nasty country. You're going to live behind glass and you're going to have to be patient. And then the most important thing to remember, Kevin, is that in my opinion, if you're in canyon country, the wind swirls like you've never like it's you're going to pull your hair out majority i'd probably get a stock every other day or at least start working towards a bull and almost every time to the point where i'd start laughing i i, I had to have a different i had to laugh the the wind would just swirl and the bulls would smell me and i'd just be like wow this is literally impossible so it's a tough deal um you get a bonus point for putting in for arizona five years in a row so you get a loyalty point and that doesn't go away as long as you keep putting in so that's an extra name in the hat, if you will. And then you can go take the hunter safety, although I don't know the details on it right now with COVID last year, but it's it's an online deal. Yeah, I, I've been I've lived in Arizona now for seven, eight years, and I I um I don't have the hunter's ed point. And for the last year and a half or so, I've been trying to to do it where you take the online portion and then you schedule your field day. The problem is, I mean, the online portion is easy. That's just in your own schedule. But then finding the scheduled 
um, field day where you can go in. That, that's a requirement. And there's just few classes available. And right now, and I, and I don't really know exactly how long this has been going on, but there's nothing like because of COVID, there's nothing scheduled okay. for the foreseeable future. So, yeah, it makes it tough for that point. But I mean, it's definitely something, you know, that behooves anybody that's going to be patient enough to do it. Yeah. And when I did the field day, it was probably a half day of lecture, another written test. And then you went out and shot some guns and did like your basic hunter safety stuff. I was with 10 and 12 year olds and a couple of adults. It was it was cool. Uh, and so it's yeah, I have a loyalty and a bonus point. So if I were to draw Arizona and burn all my points the following year, I roll in with two points automatically. So that's handy. But uh never had a rut tag in arizona never probably will so uh man we dove right into that um what are you going to do let's say like you got to flex your elk plans do you do you go over the counter or do you put elk on ice for the year you mean in terms of like like when i don't yeah so you didn't draw this year what what, do you have plans to hunt elk or are you going to just put on ice no not really i mean honestly dan i i i'm more of a deer hunter like i've just it's just what I've always gravitated to. And I know there's obviously like a lot of your listeners, there's just like this passion, this burning passion for like obsession about hunting elk. And I, and I get it to a degree, but I just, I love deer meat. I love chasing deer. Um, I think I also enjoy the fact that you kill one and you're not, you're dealing with an animal a third the size to get out of the, out of the woods. But um, that's been always kind of like my main focus and my main priority is, is, is coos deer. Um, recently I've been, I think getting a little bit more excited about hunting mule deer after just seeing some, some real big, you know, bucks and some of the units that I hunt, but, uh, coos deer is really where I focus a lot of my attention. And this year, I mean, normally on a normal year, I would, I would put a lot of uh, energy into what I'm going to do for archery, you know, uh, in coming up here in August and September, and then over the counter in January, uh, in Arizona, we've got a pretty awesome, you know, state for opportunity, for, you know, for archery, but uh, I've got a good plan for doing a, a pack in hunt with uh, a couple buddies into uh, a pretty nasty Canyon, really close to the border, way down there, um, in an area where we hunted over the counter last year. Well, this year, actually in January of this year, was where we were hunting over the counter and saw great deer activity um, and just got some good intel from a border patrol agent down there actually uh, on, on, a, on, a, on a drinker that they're putting in up there. So um, that's basically what, what we've gotten pretty excited about is, and it's a rifle hunt. So it's going to be like a late fall uh, whitetail thing, a rifle hunt. Mm, that's going to be dope. So yeah. not going to lie, Arizona, January, coos deer, mule deer, there's a whole like well, I put in for elk every year, so I have to buy a $160, 365 hunting license. Yeah. And then you're like, well, might as well just pick up an over-the-counter deer tag. I can hunt coos. I can hunt muleys. And what's crazy, folks, is you can, like, say you scheduled your hunt for the last week of December. You could be down there, shoot your 2020 buck, and then, boom, it's January 1st. You can roll up to Walmart, buy a deer tag for 2021, and you're hunting a second tag on the same hunt. Uh, but it turns out that there's podcasts, YouTube, digital assets, media, and everybody knows about this hunt now. So uh, I've never done it. And it's just been a conflict of interest with show seasons. 
which is stupid. I should be hunting. I don't need shows anymore. I've, well, thanks to COVID, I realized I don't really need to go to trade shows. Like I already know, like I already have my relationships. Yeah. Uh, I, I like seeing people in person, but you could go hunting instead, man. So talk to me, like, is like, you've been there now for seven years. How crazy is that hunt now becoming? It's getting definitely more. I mean, this year, this, this January, I went to a unit, which is definitely not the coveted hotbed that draws a lot of people in. I mean, you have to drive a hell of a long ways. You got to be real up and close to the, the border. So you're dealing with a lot of border issues. Um, and it's just not a high density deer unit. And I think kind of the, the chaos that I had seen in other units, like, like 36, you know, the 36s is just seems to draw a ton of out of state people in because it's, it's a popular unit. There's a ton of deer there and, uh, it's easy to get to relatively. And there's a lot, it's a big unit. So it's just, it's a, it's, um, hospitable for out of state people who are, you know, trying to get it done, but you're just constantly dealing with you know other hunters and i think that for me is kind of what i you know was getting away from um but it's you know totally understandable why people want to come do it it's you know you're seeing the type of deer and the caliber of deer that you don't see during the rifle uh hunts you know i mean arizona's got some incredible country and it's incredibly rigorous and and dense and thick and so a lot of times i mean pretty often you know, there's, there's age classes of deer that just don't get seen until that, that rut rolls around. And that's a great time, you know, obviously to, to be in the field with a tag and you can here. So, um, I get it. I mean, we're like, when we were here in January, we were, you know, in the unit we were hunting in January, we were stocking deer, great deer every day, multiple times a day. Um, certainly only one of us killed a buck and, um, but it, that, that doesn't make it easy. You know, I mean, it's definitely a, a challenging time of, year to be in the desert it's gorgeous but the temperature swings are crazy like freezing frozen colds like waking up in the morning between 14 and 17 degrees um you know high 70s with intense sun during the afternoon and then you know kind of right back down into the into the low temps in the evening so it's uh it's a challenge for a lot of reasons but it's also you know obviously that's why we do this that's why you know we're hunters so it's, it's a great time. Uh, <clears throat> there's definitely, a, I think, an idea, though, that gets kind of perpetuated out there from podcasts like what we're doing or, or videos or, or whatever that, you know, it's, it's, it's almost like a, a free, just a, an easy type of hunt. Um, and I think for some people, it probably can be if you find some really, really ruddy bucks that are just being stupid. But, um, you know, last year, it was kind of tough to really figure out whether we were in the early, you know, if rut had really started or if it had kind of waned, you know, we, we just weren't seeing those just dumb bucks running around, you know, chasing and pushing does around. Um, you still had to be pretty savvy and tactical about how you were going to close the distance on them. Uh, rattling and grunting didn't seem to do much for them. Um, but, uh, you know, the opportunity is there for sure. And we're going to interrupt this podcast for a quick little message from Black Rifle Coffee Company. These guys make amazing coffee here in the U.S. and they're veteran owned and they're proudly American and unapologetic. I appreciate that. If you guys are interested in joining their coffee club or picking up maybe some swag, ready to drinks, or check out that new Flying Elk Roast flavor, use the discount code ELKSHAPE and that'll save you 15% 
Also, Kufaru International. This is the backpack of choice for elk hunters. I use the Hoodlum or the 44 Mag. You guys need to check out Kufaru International if you are serious about packing out large loads of perfect protein off the mountain. Head over to kufaru.net to learn more. We're also brought to you by Onyx Hunt, the number one hunting GPS app. I've pretty much gone away from using an old school GPS. Obviously I still carry like an inReach, but all my hunting maps are stored and executed with the Onyx. This is the fastest downloading offline maps out there, as well as the most resilient, bulletproof, not gonna crash on you when you need it most. I run tracking most days while elk hunting, and I found Onyx to be the most reliable hunting GPS app out there. Check it out today. And finally, Baku e-bikes. These are e-bikes made for hunters by hunters. This is a game changer for elk hunting as well as bear hunting, checking your tree stand trail cams, getting in and out quietly. I rock the mule. Use the discount code ELKSHAPE to knock $300 off your purchase. And if you do that, you might as well just go ahead and apply that discount towards a folding cargo trailer so you can put your elk quarters and haul them out back to the truck. Yeah, I don't know. It's I wouldn't call it a bucket list hunt, but I know how desperate I am to go hunting that time of year. Yeah. And I it's a long drive. I, I don't like the idea of flying and renting anything. I mean, but dude, Tucson is a long ways for me. And heading south of Tucson, like obviously you said thirty six, so I can bring that one up. But yeah, man, it's like no secret. And the temperature swings in the desert are no joke. Um which is going to kind of seg me, segue me into a little bit of your gear knowledge. And then I want to roll right into crunch time, man. This podcast is dropping, I imagine, sometime in June 2021. Two months to crunch time and tap into your knowledge base on what you're doing. I just want to know what you do. So uh, let's talk about gear real quick. Like, so backpack style hunting and even spike camping or even mobile attack units or base camping. Yeah. I'm going to go right to shelters, sleep systems. Are you a TP guy? Are you a tent guy? Like more often than not, what's your sleep system? So most of the backpack hunting I've done is in uh, like Northern California, which is a, a wildly different place to do a backpack hunt in than Southern Arizona. There's a lot of life on the desert floor that I don't really want to mingle with. So, I mean, I here <clears throat> actually this trip we're planning is going to be my first like backpack hunt here in Arizona. Um, just, I mean, water is such an issue here that it's it's not an easily uh, organized or you know, you know, logistically it's not the easiest type of hunt to do. Whereas in in Northern California, you know, you've got a lot of options of where you can pack in and stay for a week uh, because of the water availability, but um you know i'll definitely be rolling like a you know a tent with floor here um i'm not really sure exactly what i'm going to use yet there's a there's a kuyu tent that i might use um you know there's a couple new companies out there that um, a friend of mine has been using i can't remember the name of it though it's kind of escaping me it is like one of the lightest uh, materials and, and strongest materials they're not really kind of, they're not a well-known, you know, brand in the hunting industry. And I'll think of it eventually, I think, but um, certainly something with the floor is for me, I'll always uh, err on the side of, um, you know, maybe a little bit of extra weight uh, in order for me to sleep well and be comfortable. 
comfortable because there's just no price tag you can put on sleep for sure you know in my in my opinion um but yeah man like once you've been around in the desert enough and walked around with a headlamp at night you don't want to be cuddling with a lot of those spiders and scorpions and types of things that are crawling around at night mm, no thank you um yeah the the floorless thing kind of works and kind of doesn't i've i mean i've used floorless even last year i mean i have a seek outside set up um when i bust it out it's because i know i need to dry out and i'll bring the stove component which weighs next to nothing and i know that i got maybe people with me to help carry some components it doesn't weigh much but it takes up some room and and I generally know that I'm going to set up some sort of base camp or spike camp in the mountains for a couple of days. And that's why I used my sleep system last year. That way I, I brought, I brought that in probably three different times and dropped in on a spike setup and it did rain and we were able to dry stuff out and it kept us in the field, which ups your odds. It's an odds multiplier. Uh, but ultimately I like some sort of one man tent with a vestibule where I can keep my gear it doesn't weigh much, and I'm still on the hunt for, like, the ultimate setup, but I haven't figured that out yet. Um, so I always like to add, pick people's brain on that. What about sleeping bags? Like, do you run cold or do you run warm? I run pretty cold. Um, for years, I always just used, like, a zero-degree uh, marmot uh, sleeping bag, and, you know, it, it, it works great at keeping me warm, but it, 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 I think it was a year or two ago, I was just like, okay, this thing's just a little bit too heavy, too bulky. And, you know, I realized I'm bringing a bunch of layers um, that I can add to my warmth that are coming with me regardless. So, you know, I can drop the sleeping bag rating down to like a 20 or 30 degree bag and just sleep in more layers and be just as warm, if not more warm. So, right. Um, yeah, last year or two years ago, I got a Feathered Friends uh, sleeping bag, and it's a really cool setup because I, I started using a quilt. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, and I know that's kind of a hot debate, it seems like, with people, but um, I, I, I toss and turn, and I move around a lot, and sometimes mummy bags just, you know, as efficient as they are with temperature, they just, they're restrictive. So the quilt was a great, you know, happy medium, but this bag that I got, it's kind of uh, both. So you can, you can use it as a quilt as like, or you can, or you can zip it up and like it, it has like a cinch tie at the feet. If you're really cold and you need to kind of just capture a lot of internal heat, um, yes. that, that it kind of has the, the best of both worlds. And I haven't really had to do that too much yet, except for, you know, like, well, I'm using a totally different setup when I'm hunting over the counter. Like when I'm in, like in, uh, in January, Usually it's a cot and I'm using a Western Hunter sleeping bag, which is not, it's the, the polar opposite of a backpacking sleeping bag. You know, it's a big canvas, you know, you've got four layers to it, depending on how cold it is. Um, that's kind of like the lap of luxury, but the, the feather friends bag is for me so far has been a really great happy medium between, you know, that warmth, but then also if it's, if it's, if it's not that cold and I, and I'm kind of hot, then I can just use it as a quilt and sleep with like a leg out of it. And it's super comfortable. Yeah. I got, uh, I got a couple of buddies swear by quilts. Um, I run really cold. I wouldn't even say like kind of cold. I would say like, uh, almost embarrassing how, how cold, like, <laughs> uh, 
I got Raynaud's in my hands from hunting whitetails too much. And so like blood will just leave my fingers the second I get cold. And, uh, it takes forever to get blood back into my hands Mm. and I'm skinny. So yeah, I, I try to like not skimp on anything when it comes to being like, I'd rather just be hot than cold. Uh, I'm, I'm really kind of the same way. And so when I, when I went with like a quilt, I was, it was actually, I bought the, the first quilt that I ever bought was prior to like a summer backpacking trip and it wasn't even like a hunt. And I <clears throat> loved it so much that I tried it on another couple of hunts and actually really enjoyed it. But I, I'm normally the same way where I can just like get super cold and then you're like sleepless, you know, you're just shivering oh. all night. Um, so usually like three or 4 AM is when I get, uh, I kind of wake up and I'm like, I'm cold and I'm not, and it's like an hour or half hour before my alarm. And it's just like, you lose that half hour of sleep and it adds up on a 10 day hunt or whatever. Yeah. I think the, the thing that in my experience is with the one person tent that I've used, um, which it kind of makes me go away from them is, is just the condensation that starts inside of them. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and then, then your bag becomes moist and it, 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 then you just, you're kind of, you're playing catch up. Like you can't even get warm because your bag is kind of damp on the outside. And it's just, I hate that feeling, but, um, you know, so far the, the, the quilt, the quilt setup has been pretty awesome, but I yeah. think, you know, for anybody, it's definitely a trial and error thing. You got to figure out where your comfort level is with the temperature and where you're hunting, what time of year, and then how you're pitching your tent too, I think is really, um, really critical, especially for like a one person thing, or if you're going floorless, like something that you've definitely got a good amount of like air ventilation through to the bottom because that makes a world of difference i remember like the first night i slept in my one person i didn't really have much gap between the bottom of the tent and the, and the floor so there just wasn't a whole lot of airflow, and that made you know a lot of condensation and then the next night I, I like almost completely reset it up and made sure there was like you know several inches and it made a big difference that's a pro tip folks um all right man we gotta switch gears so like we're talking two months out from a lot of archery seasons and then the fall will be here pretty much in three so let's talk to an audience that tunes into this podcast to get something out of like uh, not so much motivation uh, maybe some education but at the end of the day we got to get folks like lined out on okay focus on the majors not the minors so your average dude who's got somewhere between five and 14 days of actual hunting planned for elk or mule deer or something out west, they're going to be in the mountains. They don't want physicality or mentality to get in the way of their success or their experience. Let's major in what you do. Let's speak about what just what Kevin does to elevate his game and make sure that he's ready physically, mentally in the next eight weeks? Yeah, I think, I mean, so I train year round, like I, I'm in the gym, you know, four, four days, some, some weeks, five days a week and year round. And I, and I, I'm a firm believer in just like, it's a, it's a much easier route to go to maintain a level of fitness and conditioning than to, you know, fall in and out of it every fall, you know, which, which is pretty common. Um, but, you know, I think the way that things change for me, especially before like, you know, a pretty rigorous backpacking trip or a long archery hunt of, of that sort is focusing on leg strength. Um, you know, we deal with a ton of different uh, people and all sorts of different, you know, physical conditions. 
one of the most reoccurring goals for people is to try to lose weight. You know, they want to drop 10, 10 pounds before, before their elk hunt or whatever. Some people will need to do, you know, drop 20. Um, and I think that's a great goal. It's definitely a great focus, but I think it's something you need to start, you know, in the, in the spring, you know, for sure, because weight loss, like true meaningful weight loss, uh, where you're not sacrificing the integrity of your muscle, you're not sacrificing strength. Um, it takes, it takes time. It takes a lot of lifestyle changes. Um, and in this stage in the game, you know, a couple months out, maybe three months out from like a rifle hunt. Um, I, I think guys more often are better suited focusing on, on strength and, and performance and endurance and the weight loss that they're going to achieve in that time is, is going to be helpful. But one, one of the things that happens a lot for, you know, for me is like, I, I don't really struggle with weight too much, you know, blessed that I have a good metabolism. Um, you know, I maintain a pretty good diet, so I don't have to worry about my weight too much. Uh, I focus on, you know, building solid, strong quads and focus on like long, long endurance types of workouts, like 40 minutes to an hour of, of just, you know, a, a pretty good moderate, like cardio output. And in that process, I'm, I am trimming, I am losing some weight. Um, you know, the, the, the opposite can be said for somebody though, who focuses too much on weight loss and, you know, not enough on just strengthening some of your core muscle groups. And by the time that hunt rolls around to throw a heavy pack on or to, you know, to go, you know, up in elevation, you just don't feel like you have the salt or the strength to do it. And I think that happens to, you know, people pretty often is, yeah, they may lose that 10, 20 pounds they set out to, but they sacrificed a good deal of strength to get there. And, you know, in the mountains, that's, that's not a, that's not a good trade-off in my opinion. No, it's not. Okay. So I guess recap, watch your nutrition, focus on pursuing performance and the weight loss could accompany it. And the weight loss could be meaningful. And that just translates into sustainability and voiding, you know, quick results. Because the, you know, the slower, the better, the steadier, the longer. I get that. Uh, okay, let's talk about those 40 minutes then. Let's say we set aside 40 minutes, four sessions a week. <sighs> Eight weeks out. What are we doing? What do our bouts look like? What are the major things that, you know, what do those boxes look like to get checked? Right. So I don't, I, I do a, a lot of CrossFit and oh, CrossFit God. doesn't, <laughs> I know Shucky. one of those guys, <laughs> but you know, you know, as far as like CrossFit programming goes, there's just not a lot of, you know, lot, like duration cardio built into programming, especially like the standard programming that you see at a box where, you know, you got to run a whole bunch of people through a, a class. Um, you know, if you're lucky, if it's like a 30 minute, you know, AMRAP with a lot of cardio in it. Um, so I tend to, you know, lean more on just like long witted pack hikes or, or runs. Um, you know, I, I'm kind of, uh, I'm not really sure exactly how much my feeling about running these days has changed the where it used to be a few years ago. Uh, it, it just, it seems expensive to me now to run in terms of recovery, um, and the benefit that I get from it. But I feel like there's definitely still some, some benefit to, to runs, to, you know, to running for, you know, an hour to an hour and a half. And I'm not talking about, you know, all out sprints and you don't even necessarily need to be, in my opinion, running for a constant period of time, but, um, you know, pushing that pace, 
having that gate for you know good stretches of time while you can hiking or walking in between i for me i feel like it's totally fine because when we're in the mountains that's what we're doing we're hiking um so i try to mimic you know truthfully just you know the way uh, the demands i'm going to put on my body in a hunt and, that, and that's really i think you know train how you play is, is really the kind of idea there um, I think by this point, probably a lot of your listeners and a ton of people out there are really familiar with the benefits of a weighted pack hike. But um, I think doing that as, you know, as often, you know, integrating that into your week um, is great, especially if it's like not like moderate, if it's moderate weight, you know, somewhere in that like 40 pound range, you know, 50, 50, 60 pound range, maybe depending on who you are, um, but, but going for quite a long time. I mean, I think the, the core back, you know, the, the, the leg development you get out of that, um, you know, the stability you build in your ankles is all really unique to that. It's hard to kind of emulate that in anything you're going to do in the gym. <clears throat> There's some incredible pack systems out there now, and, you know, they have all sorts of lashing systems and load lifters and such that can keep that weight centered in your, in your back, um, you know, keep it close to your center of gravity. Um, but it can be a pain in the ass. And like you said, sometimes you don't want to, you know, put your, your hunting pack through that, but the Atlas trainer is just like a super quick and easy way to throw like an Olympic, you know, plate, uh, 45, you can even, you can put up to like 90 pounds. You can put two forty fives on there, mm-hmm. um, with a collar, like you would put on a barbell and, um, you know, get up and go. Um, the nice part too, is it's so quick and easy to come off. Like we have this relatively, um, it's a, it's a pretty good training hike right here close to the office. It's like two and a half, three miles up, and it's all just straight up. And you can, you know, climb that, get to the top, take that weight off, and do, you know, a bunch of different exercises, deadlifts, upper body stuff with that plate, and then throw it right back on in like, you know, five seconds. Yeah. And, and you know, trying to do that with a sandbag or whatever else you're using in your pack can just be kind of cumbersome and be a pain in the ass to then, you know, take it out, resituate it. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a super great tool. And I think what I find is because it's so easy and convenient, I'm more likely to use it and throw that, throw that weight on and go. Whereas, you know, just the, you know, humans typically we're just, no matter who you are, I think we all tend to be pretty path of re- least resistance and pretty lazy sometimes. So if you have to go through like the pack setup, that's going to take you 10 minutes or so to fill up sand or figure out how to set it up just right and comfortable you're just less likely to do it as frequently. And, you know, the more often you can do it, I think the, the more reward you're going to see. WA, we're talking about recovery in the mountains, which is kind of impossible, but we're talking about mitigating fatigue, soreness, dehydration, so that you can somehow recover to, to a degree that you are more and more effective because hunting time is finite. It comes and goes so fast Folks listening, if you're not comfortable with the word performance, then it's going to be tough for you to really punch tags because you are on the stage when you step out on the trailhead. Like you do have to kind of bring it all together and you have to have your head in the game to get opportunities and you have to execute when opportunities develop. So let's talk about the brand WA, who I work with, and specifically mitigating fitting feeling shitty in the backcountry. yeah um one of the things that i just did a, a podcast a couple of weeks ago about about this like almost exclusively about this 
you know, in terms of like which supplements, which products that, you know, are key in the backcountry. And just in terms of like my own, um, you know, approach to it, I used to just take the typical, like, okay, just hydrate and recover, um, some energy and focus packets. Um, you know, those are what I think traditionally most people are kind of leaning on. But, you know, I looked at like my daily routine when I'm, you know, training, working and just living. And I'm taking a whole bunch of different stuff, you know, fish oil, joint advantage, uh, probiotics, uh, a protein shake, and, you know, our green infusion, a lot of different things to help me feel and look and perform and just, you know, feel my best. Um, and it was, it kind of, at some point, I don't really remember what it was, but it was like, why don't I bring those things with me too when I need to perform and feel my absolute best all year round when I have the most demands on my body? Um, and so, you know, really like one of my biggest focuses in ours as a company has kind of become a bit more oriented to recovery. And I think it's, you know, you, there's a lot of um, schools of thought out there where the idea is go, go, go as fast as you can, as hard as you can. So let's make the most high octane pre-workout, uh, the most high octane energy drinks, um, you know, all of these different things to help you just fly. Um, and if, if and, and there's definitely some benefits to that, but I think I've started to, you know, focus more on recovery, and and that's really where I think a lot of the difference is made, especially in a hunt. Um, so, you know, in terms of like what comes with me now on 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 most every hunt, certainly like my hydrant recover and energy and focus, like those are staples. Um, but I definitely am always bringing. Uh, we have our good stuff packets, which are little daily packets, or little light foam packets not foam packets but plastic wrapper packets with multivitamin probiotic and fish oil in there um and those those three things there i think feel like they to me you feel a difference especially when you're eating a backcountry diet that have has typically a lot of you know bioavailability of, of minerals and certain vitamins you know kind of sucked out of it from you know just the processing of those foods multivitamin definitely helps kind of fill in those gaps helps you you know produce the energy that your body needs to be producing on a consistent basis um, and then the probiotics definitely help with uh, frankly one of the best reasons is to keep you regular um, when you're eating a lot of dehydrated or freeze-dried meals or bars or nuts uh, which is just quite a bit of a different diet than you're used to a, a, a problem tends to be is you get backed up you know and if you don't shit for two three days no one's enjoying life at all. Like you forget pretty quickly about hunting and just about the, the way that feels. So, you know, a good probiotic is, is definitely key. Um, keeps your metabolism moving, keeps your bowels moving. Um, and then fish oil for me has been something I've leaned on for, for years now. Keep inflammation in check, keep joint inflammation down and just keep my joints feeling good. Um, there's a long, long list of benefits to fish oils, but for me, it's, it's mostly just inflammation control. Mm, yeah and this stuff doesn't weigh much and you can figure out a way to to pretty much coordinate to where you're taking it in the mornings and the evenings i'm talking about elk hunting elk hunting is elk hiking so you're talking about every day is a training bout and every night is an opportunity to recover to some degree from that bout so anything like that would work well. I'm going to put you on the spot here. So buckle up. We, we, we started working together. Well, we got back together not too long ago, like probably a year and a half ago almost. And we did this discount code Elk Shape 30. But it was a one-time use. 
obviously. So if you are going to use it, you had to load up because, dude, 30% is better than almost anything out there. So Elk Shape 30 is still, still getting used, I'm sure. But what about all my loyal listeners that have already utilized at one time? Do you guys have anything coming out or want to make me something for the next eight weeks to get people fired up to try WA? Yeah, I think we're, we're definitely right now we've been uh, so because of, and I'll just be frank with you, because I think your listeners deserve the honest truth about this kind of stuff. Um, and we've sent a number of emails about this. But as most people know, like COVID has put this huge wrench in the supply chain of, of a lot of different industries, you know, lumber, beef, like, um, you know, supplements for sure, like a lot of different things. So inventory is, is been a, has been a, a kind of a, a bear we've been wrestling with um, just because of the manufacturing supply side of things. And because of that, you know, we, we obviously just got to be a little bit careful with just how heavily we, we discount stuff. One of the things that I think we try to inform more people about and your listeners should you know, know about it too is, is our auto ship program. There is definitely a lot of savings involved with our auto ship program because you can set it up for the next two, three months, eight months, whatever you want to do, cancel at any time, and it's going to save you the shipping of, of every order. Um, there's also a lot of other little benefits too. Sometimes we, we give exclusive like giveaways to auto ships, free product, um, and, and our auto ship customers typically, you know, if we've got an inventory that's really, um, you know, low or something, a lot of our ship customers, you know, get, get kind of taken care of first. Um, but, you know, with discounts, you know, we, we, we got to be careful with that. I, I think what I would prefer to happen is if you've got a listener and if anybody's listening to this and they've got a specific uh, need or question or whatever, reach out to me directly and I'll do my best to take care of you. We, you know, we make right now we're, we're making some extremely high level products. And I think it's, it should be known that like there's a ton of supplement companies out there. You know, um, everybody here is probably well aware of all the different types of companies that are out there. Um, and there's a lot of ways to make products. And we always choose to go right when a lot of companies go left when it comes to just making a higher margin and taking a little bit of these amino acids out or using a, a lesser grade ingredient. Um, that's, that's not the type of products we're building. So, you know, we, we want people to understand what you're getting is, is, is truly like the best product that you're going to be able to find out there, not just in the hunting industry, but shit anywhere. Um, so, you know, I think, you know, the type of people that are taking part in your camps that are investing in their health, that are investing in the right gear, right optics, that kind of thing. Um, you know, I think it's, it's, it's a no brainer to, to put that same investment into, you know, what's fueling your body too. You know personally how much I go through hydrate and recover. One, I have two scoops every day. Mm -hmm. It's it's where I backfill my nutrition. And then I got this like super crazy athletic fit wife who steals my stuff. And I like hide it and she still finds it because, you know, that's what they do. But anyways, if I were to auto – I guess my point is if I were to auto ship anything, it would be hydrate, recover, energy, and focus – and the good stuff, because those are just like your mainstays. Those are the things that, yeah, that those are things that you just non-negotiate, especially if you're hard on your body and you're asking a lot of your body, which by the way, that is what hunting is, is you're asking a lot of your body and performance. And there are a lot of other supplement companies out there, man. And uh, so you have to kind of find out, you know, you got to have to do your research. Uh, 
And yeah, that's that's what I've done. So there's the so Ryan Lampers and I talked about I think it was in 2017. It was towards the end of the year. I called him up and I said, "Bro, I'm going to start doing elk shape camps." And I don't know what it's going to look like, but um I'm going to just didn't have 20, 30 guys come to Spokane and I'm going to take them through A to Z, not only how to get ready for elk hunting, but actually how to kill elk, find elk, and then how to thrive, not survive in the backcountry. And I would love for you to come and do your thing on backcountry nutrition, uh, on your sleep systems, all that kind of stuff, and just offer. And he was like, wow, that's crazy because I'm going to do a summit this year. And I'm going to have similar but different things. Maybe I could help you. You could help me. And we so we did two camps that year. Ryan was at both. And then he did his summit. I went and helped him out. And then we both do those now since that 2017 every year. I did seven by the first time first quarter was up this year. We had already done seven across the country. And then I'm going to his summit in the next two weeks. He's got three back-to-back. I'm helping him out still. Really cool. Love the idea. There's some other people now doing summits, elk hunting summits. And I was like, oh, geez. But I see I see their lineup, and it's like it's not really – it's not as, it's not a blue-collar vibe on these competitor summits. And working with you guys on the camps, we talked every year like we do, and we're like, okay – how can we get the campers kind of exposed to wilderness athlete? And then how can we kind of show them some of their programs? The the thing that I liked the most was that you guys revamped a couple of programs this year that I was able to share with campers. And I had a couple people just jump all in. And what you guys did is you kind of separated out like the two main goals, like just, hey, I don't need to lose weight, but I, I'm not in shape. I'm not, I don't have performance. And then you have the, the crowd that's like straight up, if I lose weight, my performance will go up. I need to focus on that. Tell me, one, how can we continue to work together in the future at these camps if you have any ideas? And we'll just let people hear our brainstorm. And two, break down this these new revamps that are really exciting. Sure. Um yeah, the, the, the 28 day, so for years and years, we had the 28 day challenge, which was kind of like your end all be all of um, weight loss with muscle management, which is we're really big on, you know, essentially just losing fat, not, not losing weight and muscle. Um, but, you know, over the years, we've realized there's a better way to attack it for, for our customers, which is, you know, whether your goal is to lose weight, build muscle. So we have our 28 day reboot, which is really more geared for your weight loss um, goals. Um, you know, really just to reboot your lifestyle, reboot your metabolism, reboot your energy. Because with weight loss, with fat loss comes a lot of, uh, you know, cascading effects that just start to feel good energy, uh, sleep, metabolism, mood, all that stuff. Um, and then there's the 28 day rebuild, which uh, really is the muscle focus you know is the performance strength gaining muscle focus and they you know how they differ from the 20 challenge these both have meal plans that come with them um, grocery lists for every week meals suggestions and everything for every day 
uh, um, a full workout program for, for everyone that we put together. So video instructions of how to lift which, you know, which body group, like, like step-by-step, which workout every day with rest days built in. Um, and then a supplement routine that sup, you know, that supports those goals. You know, there's a million different diets out there. And so it's hard to say this is the right approach for everybody. And it's just, it's impossible and you couldn't do it because everyone's pretty unique with their metabolism, their needs. But um, these are really well um, positioned to be beneficial for the vast majority of people. And there's a lot of flexibility in them. And we're always available to help people. Like if, if this program doesn't quite capture what someone's after, but they need to tailor it, we can certainly help people through all those problems we do all the time. Um, so those have been super great for us. And it's kind of started the the ideas that we've been having. And I think it's where like your elk-shaped camps and, and you, Dan, can be more helpful too to us. is like just getting involved in continuing these probably more like micro-focused, like goal focused programs um you know you are hands-on with your the people that attend your camps and you see i think you know probably a little better than we do like the the specific struggle points and pain points in people's lives that are holding them back and we can figure out what are the programs what are the things we can build to help you know help them overcome that and i think you know like these programs are kind of like the thousand feet up idea let's let's your diet your your exercise all that but we can get more nitty-gritty with working on like posterior chain you know uh development or just you know joint mobility and flexibility or maybe it's uh, sleep or you know so maybe what we can do with the camps this year is to work a little bit more hand in hand with what your people in your camps want to see like maybe we send you guys a survey and let's see what your guys want and that's, you know, that's truthfully our job is to create the products and to create the, you know, systems that, that people need, you know, it's, it, it's irrelevant for us to create all this nice fun stuff. If it's not really hitting the nail on the head for what people are struggling with. So um, I think that might be a, a good idea for us to really just kind of put the onus on your, on your campers and your listeners to tell us what is the best product and what is the best program that we can develop to help them you know, get the most out of, out of their year and their, and their season. Yeah. And, and they dude, there's just a mixed bag. Everyone seems to be coming from a different, a different space, mm-hmm. you, you know, and that's, that's to be accepted. Like folks are going to be coming from different walks of life, different, you know, different stresses, different responsibilities, different circumstances. But at the end of the day, it distills down to a general program that's going to work for everybody but sprinkling the specific uh, specificity mm-hmm. to where they want to, you know, where they can kind of tailor the program to where they're at. Uh, man, it starts with, it starts with just like understanding your why and then kind of backfilling from there. Like the, the why for most of these guys is like, I want to live longer. I want to hunt with my kids. I want to create more discipline in my life. I, I, I'm struggling, you know, to just take care of myself, let alone, you know, I put everybody else in, as a priority and then I kind of get the leftovers and that sucks, man. That sucks. And I feel like hunting such a gift because it does something that can kind of consume you. 
and you can flip it into a positive light where like you're like, all right, this obsession isn't bad. I can make it a positive. I can I can force myself to go to bed earlier so I can turn around and wake up earlier and get more some more me time, whether it be shooting your bow or e-scouting or or breaking a sweat quite honestly in your garage gym or whatever before the kids even get out of bed. That's kind of what I've been forced to do as as my kids kind of take up more and more of my life. And and it's a great thing, man. Like like with this podcast today, I was like, hey, Kev, got to drop the kids off at school. Then I'll be ready. Um, it's just, you know, you have to, you know, rearrange, prioritize. And when you have this, uh, this general program, but you have the specificity of, well, it's tailored towards weight loss. It's tailored towards I have a weaker lower body or I have no upper body. Uh, that's important. And I think you guys did a good job, and I know that you're continuing to involve that program, which is really cool. Bottom line is, we're eight weeks out. You could do some significance in your life in the next eight weeks in the name of better hunting and then reap the rewards and hopefully create some discipline habits. And that's where I was going to finish with you. I got a notes here. Is I wanted to kind of go over Kevin's best practices day-to-day that basically align with your desire to go out and get your own meat from the mountains via hunting. Yeah. And they're not going to be, they're not going to be sexy or the ones that people I think most often think of Um, like what you were kind of just hitting on, like your why I think that's critical for everybody uh, to kind of have a good understanding of like their why as to like, why do you want to lose weight? Why do you want to go hunting? Why do you want to be successful? Why do you want to bench press? What, you know, whatever it is, really understanding the true why is critical. And I think like for me, like the, the go time rituals, the things that become extremely imperative for me um, are sleep uh, for sure. You know, like, like, I mean, I've been listening and, and reading some pretty low alarming statistics about our um, capabilities, um, like how effective we are physically and mentally and emotionally with just a moderate decline in the amount of sleep we're getting, Um, you know, eight hours being that golden ticket. And I think everyone's heard it, how critical sleep is. But when you start to read some of the more recent studies that are being done out there about literally the effect of a lack of sleep in the gym, how it affects sex drive, how it affects your metabolism, how it affects memory, um, it becomes a pretty compelling story that like sleep needs to be like pretty number one focus. So you know, if you're in crunch time in these next few months um, and you want to get the most out of them, you need to get the most out of your sleep. And I think beyond that, like the next one for me is, is time management. And that's something I still struggle with, but I'm constantly trying to improve upon my ability to manage my time and structure my day and make a plan for every day. Um, that's, I think that's another, you know, point of emphasis for, for any of us, especially when You've got a family, you've got a job, you've got to find time for the gym, you've got to t- find time for the family, and then you've got to plan your hunts. You've got to, you know, make sure your bow's right. You've got to make sure you got all the gear. You've got to plan all these things. Um, and if you don't, I think, put forward the emphasis to, like, to actually write those plans down, plan your week, plan your day, uh, you're, you're just setting yourself up for failure in terms of not checking off all those boxes that you need to to get you know, to get ready to be, which is ready to go on opening day and having your family in order, your finances in order, your job in order. Um, so, you know, for me, those, those are kind of the two things, you know, of course, you know, fitness, health, diet, all those things 
need to be there too. But those are some of the first things to go when you're not sleeping well and you're not planning your day because eating well takes time and it takes energy. Um, and if you don't have the time in your day that you didn't allot for or the energy to do it, you're going to eat like shit. You're not going to train because you didn't, you don't have the energy because you didn't sleep and you don't have the time because you didn't, you know, put it in your schedule. Um, and it all starts to unravel from there. So for me, sleep and, and, and time management really become kind of like hyper-focused things at the very beginning of every day, you know, so the rest of it starts to fall into place. Mm -hmm. No, I feel that. Um, what if somebody just said, before I go to bed, I'm going to jot down five things that I got to do tomorrow. And you went to bed and you woke up instead of like just stumbling to the coffee pot, you stumble to the list and you're like, okay, plug and play. I can get this done here, there. Just like, I know it sounds so basic, but I, th I mean, I think those are pretty powerful habits to create. Yeah. And that's a great way to start, you know, um, whether it's right before you go to bed or the first thing when you wake up, getting into that routine of writing down the three main tasks for that day. Uh, that's a great start. And I think if you're, if you're doing that or you're ready to take it a step further, start writing down the times like that you're going to do it. And I think just getting more intentional and specific with it, it makes it become even more, I think, you know, uh, just tip of the spear for your day when you know the time that you're going to be doing grocery shopping or you know the time that you're going to spend uh, at the gym. Um, you know, we, you know, at Wilderness Athlete, we have, you know, we, we, we operate pretty lean. We don't have like this huge staff where everyone's got this one little job. We all have to wear a lot of hats. So, you know, we, time management's always been a big focus of ours. We used to, we don't anymore, um, used to use this program called Hour Stack, but essentially the idea was we were only giving ourselves so much time to do one thing every day because if you just like write something down and start it and they can carry on to the rest of your day, you've not giving yourself the time to do all the other things you have to do. So, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of ways to start structuring your time. There's a lot of um, information out there and to help you with it and, and resources, but yeah, I mean, that's a great way to start just writing. I mean, literally writing things down is one of the best ways to start, you know, committing things to, um, to yourself, whether it's, you know, right before you go to bed or, or waking up is I think the best time to do it. All right. Challenge accepted for you guys listening. Three days in a row, write down three things, including timestamps or when you're going to do them before you go to bed, wake up, execute, do it three days in a row and look back and see if like, did it add to your efficiency and productivity? Are you coming out the other side better at life, a better version and go from there. Kevin, thanks for coming on, man. I, I appreciate your time. I know you're busy. I just... This is just a chance for us to reconnect and we'll hit record while we do it. Um, holler at everybody. Let them know where to find WA as well as yourself on socials. Absolutely. Well, no, thanks for having me on. I, I appreciate the chance to talk about all this stuff. Um, you know, I mean, the easiest place to figure out anything that we're up to at Wilderness Athlete is by subscribing to our newsletter. Um, you know, and if you just go on to wildernessathlete.com, you know, and sign up for a newsletter there. That's a great way to find out about any discounts, promotions, a bunch of new product releases that we have coming down the pipe and programs that we're introducing. So we don't send out spam bullshit of just, hey, look at us when we're doing cool stuff. We're, we're always trying to add value to people's lives. Um, you know, at wilderness underscore athlete is, is our Instagram. My personal one's just at wild athlete, which is easy enough to follow. But 
I tend to be pretty boring on my Instagram these days. But um, yeah, and, and I think if anyone has any specific questions, any specific needs about anything I've said or issues with anything I've said, contact me directly. It's just Kevin at wildernessathlete.com. Uh, we love talking to our, our customers or, or just being hands-on with the people that we're trying to help. So uh, don't hesitate to reach out to me directly if you've got any issues. I mean, every time I do a podcast with you, Dan, I always hear from a few people and they always end up being like really great conversations or really helping somebody through something. So um, I hope that continues. Yeah, guys, reach out to Kevin. You'll have questions. Remember, separation is in the preparation. You have eight weeks. Make the most of them. Challenge accepted. We'll catch you on the next one. Kevin, thanks for coming on. I thought that was pretty cool. Guys, check out the newsletter. Sign up for that. I'll leave a link in the show notes. Check out their Instagram following. Go snoop around. Get loaded up. Uh, you heard it here first. Uh, supply chains, man, and all the companies, it's tough. So if you can log on and get your hydrate, recover, energy, focus, your multivitamins, your green formulas, get it now before it's out of stock. Uh, if you've never bought anything from Wilderness Athlete, use my discount code, man. 30% off your first purchase. So it's ElkShape30. Enter that code and load up. Uh, so we got to talk about the eight weeks leading up to elk season here guys uh trail camera season is happening now i am going to be putting out a handful of cameras in areas that i really just i'll be honest like my scouting trips aren't going to be like what they usually are where i'm covering ground and glassing and getting up early and and exploring pinch points and exploring feeding areas bedding areas where's water no for one of my tags i am basically going to drive about mm, i can't even tell you how many hours a lot of hours uh, I'll have two days and I'm going to put cell phone trail cameras out for the very first time. Yeah, I'm a little nervous because I've never done it before, so I don't have a lot of experience, but I'm really excited to be able to get these pictures sent to my phone 10 plus hours away and I can kind of get a pulse on animal activity. So it's going to be critical that I put these cameras in good spots, whether it be saddles or, and obviously I gotta have cell phone service, which is not super easy to come by in a lot of places I elk hunt, but I've been e-scouting. I've been to a couple of these units before. I know where the cell phone service is. I already know where I'm putting these cameras out and I'm spreading them out. So I'm gonna have to do like a crazy bomb run mission. I'm super stoked. Are you guys doing trail cams? I hope so. I'm using SpyPoint. Uh, they have the Link Micro LTE. I got two of those. I also have, gosh, I have the cell link. So I'm going to be putting the cell links connected to some other trail cameras that I've had in the past. And so I'm going to turn some old trail cameras into cell phone trail cameras using SpyPoint cell link. And then you just basically get a plan. I'm going to use Verizon just because I think Verizon has better coverage out West. And then I'm going to get the app and then I can get the Basically, the image is sent to my phone. I got a couple other spy points too that I'm going to be using. They're not going to be cell phone one, and I'm going to sprinkle those out. So I'm super excited. I'll let you know how it goes, but I'm pretty pumped. I've heard some really good things about SpyPoint and their cell phone trail cameras, and I've actually never used cell phone trail cameras, so stoked on that. Uh, wanted to give you guys a couple of quick discount codes, and then we'll be on our way. And I have a little positive message here at the end I wanted to, to share that's on my heart. But uh, remember, NUMA. Outdoors, Elk Shape 20 will get you 20% off. Vortex Wear for workout gear and scouting. Discount code is Elk Shape 20% off. Some of the sickest clothing. BRCC, Black Rifle Coffee Company. Elk Shape will get you 15% off if you're buying just 
basic coffee or coffee club or coffee mugs, shirts, hats, swag. Black Ovis for anything under the sun. A few exclusions apply, but very few. Use the discount code ElkShape. Get your arrows. Get your whatever. Uh, whatever you need, go to BlackOvis.com. Save 10%. Elk Collective, uh, the virtual digital elk hunting resource, um, all video-driven. Me and my buddy John Gabriel run that. The discount code is Elkshape Podcast, all one word, $25 off, and start watching a video a day. I think there's 140-something videos now, and we keep adding more. Northwest Retention Systems, if you need a chest holster, I wear one. I put my bino harness over the top, and I carry a Glock when I'm in black bear country, wolf country, and I carry a 44 mag when I'm in G-Bear country, and I always am strapped. I also use bear spray from Counter Assault, but I, I I like having both and I do it for my family. I used to not carry anything at all. And it seems like grizzly bears are everywhere showing up in new places. So it's just peace of mind, especially if you're a solo hunter like myself. Stowaway Gourmet, freeze-dried food. I think I have a discount code with them. It's Elk10. Get your 10% off if they have anything in stock. Uh, if you go to Black Ovis, make sure you check out Crispy Colorados. Those are like my personal number one boot. And then the Brick Stalls are my number two. And then my number three is Laponia. And my number four is the guides, and that's for just like mid-September on. And uh, there's a couple other boots I, that I really like from Crispy. We got a boot review on our YouTube if you want to check it out. That's just look up Elk Shape and go from there. Buck Knives USA, made in USA. Man, these guys have been in business over 100 years. They have a lot of different options. I would check out their Buck Knife Skinner if you're looking for like the best all-around knife to get the hide off an elk. That is what I found. I am not using scalpels anymore. Sorry, Havilon, but I just about took my hand off last year and Wyoming breaking down a bull. And so I just – honestly, if you hunt solo, I think those scalpel knives are just too damn sharp. Never thought I'd say that, but I know for a fact I've almost always cut my hand a little bit here or there using a scalpel, and I just don't think it's safe, especially for solo elk hunting. So buck knives are super sharp, but they're not going to – take your hand off. And I don't think it's a good idea to take any part of your hand off when you're by yourself in the backcountry. Look up Buck Nice, Made in America, Need I Say More. Lastly, guys, something's kind of on my heart and I just wanted to use the podcast as a platform to share and do it at the very end. So if you've already tuned out, you're not going to catch this nugget, but um, I'm listening to this build-up series at the church I go to and I couldn't agree more with some of the philosophy when it comes to faith and when it comes to what I preach, which is hard work, taking the high road, avoiding anything that's easy because easy is seductive and I don't like seductive. I want to gravitate towards the things that which are the most difficult, the steepest, uphill, hardest, because it's just such a more worthwhile lifestyle. Uh, it's so common now to be negative and to say, to talk shit about other people. And our tongues can bring so much death or so much life. Like, I just feel like one little positive affirmation to your spouse could set them on cloud nine or to your kid could just be the difference maker in their self-esteem or in your peer group or even online making comments. Words are powerful. Life is in the words. And I just feel like uh, a lot of times building people up is extremely difficult and it takes a lot more work. And tearing down is the path of least resistance. It is the low road. It is effortless. And it's the golden rule. 
you know, to love your neighbor as you love yourself, to treat people how you would like to be treated. And I think a lot of people, I know myself included, we love words of affirmation. And it, maybe that's not your main love language per se, but it can be a difference maker. So I just wanted to challenge you all this week to just build people up, choose your words carefully, take the high road. Separation is in the preparation. We'll catch you on the next one.